Hi, you're listening to episode three of the Gamer Sushi Podcast. I'm Eddie. I'm Mitch. I'm Nick. I'm Jeff. I'm Anthony. If you'll notice, we've got Mitch back this week, so there is a Canadian uh, sitting back in with us. Um, have you had a good week? Good couple of weeks, Mitch? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm back. <laughs> I'm back to bring the spicy, exotic flavor. <laughs> there you go. The international well, we, flavor. Well, we've already got go. a couple of brown guys in here, so... Hey-oh. You know. <laughs> there we go. We've all been drinking uh, some beers tonight, so we'll kind of see how this whole thing goes. It might be the best podcast ever. It might be completely unintelligible nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> so, because the it's Americans, great. we've had um, we've had Memorial Day weekend this weekend, so we've all been kind of chilling and doing stuff. Nick went to a really cool bar the other night with that's video game related. Yeah, I went to a, a bar in Houston called Joysticks, and it, every I think it's once a month they do a thing where it's fifteen dollars, and you get a wristband, and you can go play amazing arcade games. And they have, uh, I mean, everything from like Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man. They have Altered Beast, Mortal Kombat 2. I played a lot of that. And, and they have a bunch of pinball machines. Like, like, it's mainly, it's about half pinball machines and half arcade games. But you just go there, you pay $15, and you can play unlimited games. And you can buy beers. They're a little bit expensive, but it's not bad. You can buy a Lone Star Tallboy for three fifty. So that's not too bad. You can just do that, and then it's 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 amazing. It's like twelve year old Nick's dream plus beer. <laughs> so it's twenty seven year old Nick's dream too. So it's like that combo together. And I went there on I think it was Friday, and just had an absolute blast. It was it was amazing. And one of the cool things about that place is everything in it is for sale. So every single game that you play, you can actually buy for, which is cool and not cool because it's cool that you can buy it, but it's not cool because if like you go there and you play an awesome game, like last time there was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the four player awesome arcade game that we all love to play, somebody had bought it. So it was not there this time. And I was kind of sad about that, but it is awesome that they, that you can uh, buy everything there. So I can't even remember the last time I was in an arcade. Yeah. It's it's kind of weird. It's kind of just like you're walking around and you're like, this is so weird. And it's it's like you're so far removed from it, but you just everything rushes back when you step in there and you just hear all the noises and the lights and everything. But you have a beer in your hand, so it's very different. It's 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 great. That's awesome. Me and my brother used to <laughs> we used to live right behind like a Mr. Gaddy's Pizza, and we would we would hop the fence and then we would walk over to Mr. Gaddy's and then we would get the buffet. And then we would just go in the arcade all day when, yeah. during the summers. That was so incredible. You could do that would, at CC's as well, yeah. Well, see, CC's never really had much of an arcade. It was Mr. Gaddy's always oh, had okay. like a bigger okay. one. Yeah. yeah. But we would play the Simpsons arcade game like all day. That oh, which yeah, was the, which that. that was the same thing as the X Men or the Ninja Turtles. Like, yeah. that I, was I really the remember the X Men like it, having like multiple TV setups so they could do the the ridiculous widescreen. Yeah. So that yeah. you could get all like however many people were playing all, all in the same game. Yeah, it was a, yeah, usually you'd have four people, and then like playing through stuff now, it, it's amazing the amount of times you have to insert coins, even though you're not inserting coins because it's all free. And just thinking about like when I was a kid, how many times I had to go up to my mom <laughs> and be like, "Can I have another quarter?" Like I must have spent like like to beat Ninja Turtles or X Men. I must have had to spend like five dollars or more. Like it's ridiculous. 
But yeah, that's also when arcades were a quarter. Now they're yeah, more. that's true. But yeah, did you play any fighting games? I played a lot of Mortal Kombat two, and I played a little bit of Street Fighter. But yeah, that was that was basically it for the things. And, and then uh, it was just it was it was interesting t- trying to remember the moves from Mortal Kombat two. And I could remember some of them, and some of them I were like, I don't really remember it. And then my friend Paul came up, and we played each other, and he remembered a fatality, and I completely geeked out about that. <laughs> I only remember, I remember the Sub-Zero, the, I think it was the freeze, and the shatter, and I think it was like forward, down, forward, punch. I think that was the uppercut the, head off. Oh, okay, so I'm wrong, yeah. but, but, it, yeah. but it is a fatality. I would have gotten something. Yeah. <laughs> I would have killed you in some way. Yes. Yeah, the Mortal Kombat moves don't come back as quickly as the Street Fighter ones do. Yeah. I don't know why it is. I mean, I played both of them probably equally, but for some reason I remember all the Street Fighter moves. I don't remember any Mortal Kombat moves. Yeah, I still refer to things as like Hadoukens and reverse Hadoukens, like to describe <laughs> the way you have to do a motion in a video game. It's true. Well, it kind of became a, a standard, you know. Yeah, like, it was the yeah. Hadouken. Well, along with the, um, you know, the holiday weekend, at least for me, came some extra time to play video games. So we're going to transition to what... Um, me, Nick, and Mitch have all been playing lately. Uh, Mitch, do you want to set that up? Uh, yeah, so basically what we've been playing and what we're all getting kind of addicted to is uh, Red Dead Redemption. Uh, I, we're all playing it on the Xbox 360, so um, we've been doing... I don't know, I, I, ha- I don't think I've played as much as Nick has. I think, Nick, you said you played like 10 hours or something today, is that right? Uh, yeah, well, over the past two days, I, w- I went over to Eddie's house. Uh, well, we, we were filming... On uh, yesterday, I guess it was. Yeah, God, was it yesterday? Okay, so I went over there yesterday, and he showed me just fifteen minutes of just riding around and shooting things, and instantly I was like, I have to buy this game. Like I, I read great reviews. I think IGN gave it a nine seven, and I read great stuff about it. And I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm really gonna buy it. But then Eddie Eddie showed it to me a, just a little bit, and I was like, I have to go buy this game. So I went to Target last night. And in less than 24 hours, I've played 10 hours of the game and absolutely loving it. Well, the interesting thing to me about it, and and Jeff and Anthony, I think you both would love the game because you're both into Oblivion and Fallout, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I played probably 140 hours of Oblivion. It's the only game I have every achievement in, and that took a lot of doing. Oh, yeah. Well, like, the thing... The thing to me about Red Dead Redemption, because I wasn't a huge fan. I mean, on Gamer Station, I rip GTA 4 all the time. Whenever I, whenever I get a free shot at it, I take it. Um, kind of like Anthony with Final Fantasy 7. <laughs> I still love it, though. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so like Red Dead Redemption, like I just wasn't looking forward to it because people kept describing it as you know GTA but with horses. And that didn't sound very appealing to me because I didn't like Grand Theft Auto 4 that much. I mean, it had some fun things about it, but there just wasn't that much to do um, in this cool big world that they had made but um i bought it i played it a little bit still didn't quite see it you know because the first couple of missions are very grand theft auto-ish you know because it's like ride your horse from a to b and then ride your horse from b to c but then all of a sudden the game opens up and it and it turns into like a game kind of like oblivion or fallout um because you just there's so many distractions so many diversions and they're all fun you know, like in Grand Theft Auto 4, you could throw darts, and it was really lame. And people kept calling you, you know, like, Cousin Nico, come hang out, you know. And, and it was always really irritating. But here, like, you can, you can hunt animals and level up, like, your hunting skill. You can um, level up your survival skill. You can uh, play poker, which is actually pretty fun. Um, 
There's like cattle rustling. There's jobs you can do. There's bounties you can go get. Um, and then there's all the regular missions and you can just kind of ride around and do whatever you want. And then as you're going through the world, people will run up to you and like ask you to help them. And it's not like a cheesy like press A to accept, B to, to not accept. You can just choose to follow them or you can just ignore them and keep going about your business. Um, and so it's pretty cool because it's like these little quests will come up and you can and, and go do them. And it reminds me so much of like the way Oblivion is set up. Um, only it's not from a first person. It's just more of that kind of GTA style with the map and stuff. But like, I, to me, it's most comparable to like Oblivion meets Assassin's Creed 2. Just a quick question. Uh, can you have more than one quest going at the same time? Like Oblivion? Oh, yeah. Multiple oh, okay. Then, then I'm in love. All right. Yeah, yeah you, can, you can be doing like, I, I guess just to touch on a few things um, that Eddie was saying. Like, uh, for example, I, there was one time I was in the saloon I just played like 25 minutes of poker. And I, I walk out of the saloon and there's a dude attacking a prostitute. And I'm like, oh, that sucks. So I kind of run up there to see what's going on. And by the time I get there, he's murdered the prostitute and run away. And I was like, uh, and, and that was it. Like, that, like you, you have a window of opportunity to do a thing. Like, like Eddie was saying, where a guy runs up to you and then, you know, you can do a quest. But you don't, like, I'm going to accept this quest and these, this is what you have to do with the quest. They have that too, but something like that. And then uh, later They're on... They're like these randomly generated instant quests. Exactly. That, that and, the, the window of opportunity is so short and the quest will only take you like 30 seconds to a minute. Exactly. And then later on, I had gone and done... I, I, I think I had done a... a uh, some other quest. I don't know. I'd gone. I'd gone somewhere else, and then I was riding back into Armadillo, and a, a similar thing was happening where a guy was attacking a prostitute in the middle of the street. But this time, I was like, I'm not going to run up there and figure out what's going to happen.ing I'm just going to shoot the guy in the head. So I shoot the guy in the head. The instant I see it going on, and I get honor and fame points for it, and the and the prostitute's like, thank you so much. And it's like, that's something that's just like, it's so quick and it, it's just, it's like a quick diversion. Like you're, you're just, you're, you're on a, a quest to go do something and then this thing pops up and you're like, I'm going to go do that. Or like if you're, you're on a thing, like there's a warrant out for a guy and you, you got to go catch him. And then all of a sudden you see some deer and you're like, well, I need to go skin five deer. So you just start shooting deer and then you skin the deer and then you continue on to your, your, your quest. And there's just so many of that type of things where it's like there's almost too much to do. Like uh, you, you never get bored in the world. There's always something popping up. There's always something to do, and it's so varied. There's so many different things yeah. that you're doing at the same time. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, like – sorry, keep or, going, Jeff. What I was going to say, that, that sounds interesting with like – so you're saying there's sort of little bits and pieces. They're not even really full – you know, it's not like you're going on one mission, you get distracted, and you spend an hour no. completing one mission. You're yeah. talking about like little one-minute seconds, minute really. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, it's, it. Kind of sounds like those events from Infamous, where you'd be walking around, all of a sudden, someone would be, you know, like in trouble for a second, and you, you know, had the option of helping them or not. Yeah, it's true, but I mean, but there's no dialogue to help somebody. Yeah, yeah. Just you just you just do yeah. it or don't do it, like. There, there will be times where you're, you're riding through the countryside, and then a guy will be like, "Help!" And then a blue dot will pop on, pop up in your map, and you'll look over there, and there will be a guy, and he'll be having a gunfight with two other guys, and you can kill those guys, and if you don't kill them fast enough, they'll kill the guy, 
And if you help him out, he'll be like, thanks, whatever. And then you might get a little bit of honor or fame for doing it. Or you could just kill the guy and then you get, you know, yeah. you get wanted or whatever. Well, and that's what's nuts is that you also have to assess the situation pretty quickly because sometimes you'll see Very. guys chasing someone and shooting somebody and they're sheriffs. So if yes. you shoot them, <laughs> then, 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 you, you know, then you're in trouble. Like I accidentally, yeah. there was a time where I, w- I was walking and, and this guy started shooting at me randomly and I have no clue why. And I shot him back. And then I got wanted. And a sheriff came up behind me and arrested me, and I spent two days in jail. And it's just, it's just that just happens in the world. Like, it's, it's crazy. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because it's the same, it's kind of the same thing what Nick was talking about that you'll go do, uh, you'll go do a quest. And then, like, today I was, I was trying to hunt wolves because if you skin, because you can skin animals and, like, take meat and then their pelts and then sell them for money. Um, but then also it levels up your, your hunting skills or whatever. So I was like trying to hunt wolves. And then I saw a stranger because there are stranger quests. And so like I saw a stranger and then he had a quest for me. And I was like, oh, well, I did that. And so that popped up on my map. And then I tried to go finish skinning wolves. But then like a lady ran up to me and someone had stolen her wagon. So I went and saved her wagon and brought it back. And I ran out of stuff to catch the wolves with. And so then I went back to town, ended up playing poker for 30 minutes and then I went, and then someone robbed one of the stores, and I went and chased him down and lassoed him and drug him back. It was, it was just like this crazy thing of me trying to do one thing that I ended up doing five or six other things, but they were all fun. And they were all fun, and that that is yeah. the key that I want to point out to everyone. It's like I think there's a lot of games out there that they try to put so much in the game and they work really hard, but they forget to check the tick box that says fun. Like <laughs> they they forget to put the fun in the game, and this game is is all about fun. Like, it's just, I'm going to do one fun thing after another, and something's going to divert me from my course because it's fun. Like, I want to be, I want to do that, and then I want to go back to this other thing, and I want to go over here. And it's a game where I've, I I mean, I'm 10 hours into it, which is only like, I think it's like 15% of the game maybe, and I'm, I'm, I've never been bored. I'm always doing something. Yeah, even just like riding the horse around at some points. Yeah, like I agree. Even even if there's just nothing around, like or it looks like that, and then you look off to the corner, and then there's like deer running around. You're like, oh, maybe I'll go hunt them. And then you look at the other side, like you said, there's a couple guys having a shootout. So even if you're riding through the middle of nowhere, the game still digs stuff up to present to you, and it just keeps you interested. So that's one of the things I'm liking about it. Uh, I also think we should talk about multiplayer real real quick because Eddie and I tried that uh, last week, I think. Yeah, it was like and, on Thursday or Friday we tried out a few rounds. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, but I think the thing we most enjoyed about it was the fact that every multiplayer match starts with a Mexican standoff. So, <laughs> like, your team is facing the other team, and it's like just slow motion thing that goes ready, draw, and then everybody draws, and the team that wins the standoff, like, gets a few extra points of experience, but it's just such a cool way to start the match, and I've never seen a game do anything like it before. And I think, Eddie, what your things was, like, you want, like, just that playlist where it's just standoffs continuously yes because it was the most fun part of every multiplayer match and then the matches take like 10 minutes and then you're like oh well i want to go bed after this match but then if at the beginning of the next match i get to do another standoff so maybe i'll start another match because <laughs> the standoff's the most fun part well i think you know? i saw and like they do like the news of like the updates and i think that there might have been something that said like standoff mode added in multiplayer i don't know i don't know don't quote me on that that might have just been something i read wrong but there's a possibility that that is added and if it's not i think that it's something that could 
very likely be added. Also, I know when you get the game, there's a little insert, and it says co-op missions coming soon. Oh, nice. That's Ooh, something I'm really, that. really interested in, especially because I know that Mitch and Eddie have the game, and I know Jeff's about to get the game, and maybe Anthony. So, I mean, you're definitely going to have a lot of people to be doing co-op with. So that's going to be really fun. One thing I just wanted to point out real quick. That we, <laughs> yeah, we, could, we could talk about this game we for We could talk minutes. about this game forever, but one thing I wanted to mention real quick, something that hasn't been mentioned, is just how gorgeous this game is. Yeah. It's yeah. so, so pretty. Like, not just the graphics. The graphics are really good, but it, it, the the landscapes, like just riding out and there's just cactus, cacti, and and hills and mountains and there's birds everywhere and it the sun is setting and it's gorgeous and then on top of that the facial animation and the character animation are so so well done yeah Every, they really are everything feels very very natural and the music is awesome too the, like when you're riding along the awesome. trail yes. the banjo kicks in you're just like this feels right this yes. is a western well I, it's just it's got a really cool sense of atmosphere to it and man i'm I'm, I could just sit here and rant about the game for you know, for twenty thirty minutes because it's just it's really impressed me. Yes, um, I agree. For for me to have gone into it so skeptical because I just wasn't ready to play another Grand Theft Auto kind of clone, and then for it to I mean it 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 just scratches the right spot for me, um, you know, in terms of gameplay and design and. Um, Rockstar just, uh, did really good. They did yeah. really good. Yeah. Um, my my only issue with it is is that sometimes the the wanted because we talked about this with our whole morality thing. Remember we we talked about like the idea of having too much of a punishment, mm-hmm. um, you know, to play the game the way you want. In this game, you're actually you know you can play it good or bad, but when you play it bad, like you get screwed pretty bad when you try to go into town. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, you like, can't you can't do stranger missions. And then, like, I just did a thing where it was like, I saved the game, and I was like, I just want to see what it's like if I just murder everyone. So I did that, <laughs> and then, like, I killed the shopkeeper, and it's like, okay, you can't buy anything for five days. And I'm like, that sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was just playing around, but it, it's just like, that's kind of what the game does. I mean, you killed the shopkeeper. There is no shopkeeper. They have to replace him. It's going to take a little bit to do that, so... Well, and then, but what I think happens is, if you're bad, don't you get accepted by like the gangs and stuff? And then that become those become kind of your new towns, essentially, is where the gang hideouts are. I think so. I'm not for sure about that because I've been playing mostly good, other than my my opposed my supposed murder, but your accidental murder, my accidental murder. But I it was self defense, but I didn't have a trial. So <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, okay, we'll move on from that into Alan Wake um, a little bit because Mitch, you reviewed that. Um, recently, I did. Yeah, um, Alan Wake. I mean, it's been a long time coming, but like I mentioned in my review, it is totally worth it. Uh, if you haven't picked the game up or rented it or whatever, go out and do that right now because I think everyone needs to play this game. It's just, it's a lot different than what we've had so far. Like I, I mentioned this in my review, but the pacing of that game is excellent. Like I just, I wanted to play it all the time. Like I wanted to. Uh, I wanted to go home at lunch. I actually, a few days, I did go home at lunch from work and uh, play it, so that just shows you how addicted I was to it. Um, like, the combat is super fun. Like, shining the light on the guy and then stripping away the darkness and shooting at him, like, never gets old. Not once in the game was I like, oh, man, I got to do this again. Like, that's how fun it is. And, um, like, I have a couple problems with it. 
like the facial animations are actually like pretty terrible, like really yeah, I've, bad. I've heard they're really awful. Didn't wasn't there some patch to fix animation, or was that part of the DLC or something ridiculous like that? Yeah, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pay to fix the facial animation, which is uh, kind of a sucks. foul. That's oh, wait, yeah. I thought, that, I thought it was ouch. That that's I was, bad. Wait, I I wasn't it like included with the game if you bought it new, or is that not? I don't know. I I'm trying to remember what it was. May, I rented it, so I can't really there, speak to that. Okay. That that might that might okay. be the case, but yeah, if if you do get it with a game new, that's a little bit better. But if you got to pay to fix something that should have been included in the game, then that's kind of kind of a boner on their part. But other than that, it's just fantastic. I like I like it a lot. Yeah, I think because I think they're doing some things where, like with Mass Effect Two, they did the Cerberus thing, where if you buy it new, then you get all the all, or at least a lot of the DLC free which I think is pretty cool. So if that's the case with Alan Wake, then I'll give them a little bit. But if you have to download DLC to fix something that the devs fucked up, that's not excellent. Yeah, well, and I'm really wanting to play the game because I keep hearing that, um, like, one of my good friends, um, both me and him kind of agree that Metal Gear Solid 3 was one of the best games of last gen. I agree. Um, and so, And he says that Alan Wake, for him, is the best single-player experience he's had since then. Um, which is pretty, those are pretty strong words. That's strong words considering Uncharted 2 has come out. Yeah. Yeah, that is pretty high praise, but I mean, for Alan Wake, it's definitely justified, in my opinion. Huh. That's interesting. I really want to play it. I, I own it, but I haven't popped it in yet, just because yeah. I, I know. I'm horrible. Now, <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard some Finish issues. Fallout 3 and play Alan Wake. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> well, now, I've heard some issues about... Um, product placement in the game is that true like like i, I uh, wasn't hearing anything about it and then all of a sudden people it was one of the, you know how things go like on the on the internet like people won't play games and then they'll hear one joke about a game and then that's the only thing they ever say about it like mass effect with the elevators um red dead redemption had the had the horse glitch so already i'm seeing comments where people are like oh is it about the imaginary invisible horse and i'm like i don't it's just you know what i mean like how people do they only hear one thing and then they they just harp on it um, I've heard that people are harping on Alan Wake because of its product placement. Yeah, there is some product placement. I mean, you pick up Energizer batteries, and he uses a Verizon phone and drives a Lincoln car. And, um, I mean, that stuff is in there, and you see it, but it's like, whatever. I didn't really notice it. If I if it had bothered me, I probably would have brought it up in my review. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm up to my waist in Energizer battery packs right now, and I can honestly say it didn't affect me that much. Yeah. yeah, I think product placement in, in movies and video games and everything, as long as it's not egregious, as long as it's not overbearing and and takes away from the experience, I'm fine with it. Like like Audi sponsored Iron Man, obviously, because yeah. their R8 is in yeah. there. But it was awesome because they made a badass car and they wanted to show off. So like they probably had an agreement where it's like it has to be on screen for so long, and I'm fine with that. You know, I mean, yeah, as or, long as as long as like you know Tony Stark doesn't turn to the camera and say hey you know you should drive one of these you know, exactly like or like subway with chuck like i was fine with that like it, it as long as you do it tastefully it's fine did you see did you see the last episode the season finale of chuck no 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 i have not i have not don't talk about it no no there is a that i was fine with the subway product placement until that episode and then it was like they ought to be ashamed of themselves. <laughs> wow! Uh, it, it was it was it was pretty much uh, one of the characters reading ad copy. It was a little yeah, it was sad. Big Mike. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I think. I mean, I'm okay with it because I want Chuck to exist, and I'm, yeah. I'd rather have that than have the show canceled. But it was like yeah. I was like, oh my god, I feel dirty. 
See, I can understand it in TV a little bit because, yeah, I mean, like, that's how they're making their money. But I feel weird about it with video games because, like... Where you pay $60? Yeah, I'm paying $60 no matter what you stick in this game, you know? Um, so I could understand if, like, oh, hey, we loaded our game with ads and now you only have to pay 30 bucks for it, you know? But I'm still paying full price even though you're using it as an opportunity to kind of, like, shield me. I already bought your game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, you already have my money. Yeah, the funny thing is, I should mention with Alan Wake, though, like, even though you're using, like, uh, batteries in a Verizon phone or whatever, like, the batteries run out constantly, and, like, his phone never has reception, so it's kind of like... <laughs> Maybe <laughs> it's, it's like, a bad advertisement. Our, our, so it's an iPhone. Oh! <laughs> hey, yo. Hey. Yeah, I'm it's playing, like, I don't have phone. an iPhone, I just have heard the joke, so... <laughs> But yeah, well, isn't there an achievement for finding a certain advertisement in the game? Yes, there is. I didn't oh. get it because I didn't watch uh, that much TV. Like, you can watch like little TV shows and stuff if you find them in the levels, and they're pretty entertaining. But um, apparently, if you watch it long enough, you'll find a certain advertisement, and then it's like ten gamer points or whatever, which is kind of a low blow. <laughs> Eddie's but, gonna get it. Eddie's gonna get it. <laughs> hey, for those, I've heard. Are the because you know Grand Theft Auto had like the little TV shows you could watch and everything, and I've heard that Red Dead Redemption has like silent films you can watch. Have any of y'all ever sat down and watched those? Because I did a little bit in GTA 4, and I felt like the laziest person in the world playing a video game, having my character watch TV. I did. I, I, just, I went to the movie theater in Red Dead Redemption, and how was that? I watched like ten seconds of it, and I was like, I'm done with this. Yeah, I, I just to wanted to. I just wanted to go see what it was about. Like, I just wanted to. Yeah. Because I was kind of confused at first about when the game was actually happening, and then like you see a car, so you're you're in the 20th century, and then there's there's it's 1911, pictures. isn't it? It's, it's I think it's yeah. 1910, 1910, okay. or 19. It might be 1911. I thought it said 1910 on the map, but uh, but yeah, it's like it's it's early early 20th century. So there's movies there, and I was like, oh, this is interesting. I'm gonna go see it, and it was just like an animated thing that had music and it had the you know the the silent motion picture like title cards with dialogue. So mm. one cool. thing I want to bring up, sorry, on, on the subject of TV in video games, uh, in Heavy Rain, did anyone sit down and watch the TV with your son? Those no, cartoons were really cool. those cartoons were pretty cool. I, I watched yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I like those a lot. They were really colorful and just sort of made me feel a little less depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, apparently the, I read about them. I think they're like indie animators made them, oh. so they were like handpicked by the the game makers. They're, they're like short films that are out there. I, I I don't know for sure where I read that, but it was something like, you know, they're they're French animators. Yeah, they're they, French, they, so it's going to yeah. be like this kind of cool indie artsy Professor animation stuff. stuff. So yeah, it it looked really cool though. Nice. And then Jeff and Anthony, you guys have played a little bit of uh, Super Mario Galaxy 2 this week, right? Yeah, yeah. I actually got Mario Galaxy 2 and Alan Wake basically one after the other. So I, I have been focusing on Galaxy 2 a little bit. Um, Anthony's played it a little bit more than I have, but it, it's been really cool getting back into it because, I mean, when I seriously, when I was first getting back into gaming, what was it, like three or four years ago? Um, I guess... Uh, Eddie and Nick know this about me, but uh, when I was a kid, I played video games, and then I just kind of stopped um, all through high school, and I would just like go over to Eddie's house and watch them play video games. <laughs> L- literally, like that's how I think I saw most of Grand Theft Auto Three that way. But um, 
and he missed yeah. Metal Gear Solid and Final Fantasy VII, and he missed all of the SNES oh, I games. Played, no, and... I played. I played Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> I just, I just made it to the last cave on Final Fantasy VII, and then a neighbor kid deleted my save game, so I never oh, finished. Oh no, that sucks. Um, but no, so when I got back into gaming a couple of years ago, Mario Galaxy was basically one of the first games that I that got me back into it because I got a Wii and I got Galaxy and I got Twilight Princess. Um, so it was like that was really like sort of a formative moment for this generation of gaming for me. So I played the hell out of the first game. I really loved it. I, I got as many stars as I could and I got all the way to the point of um, the purple coins levels, which are just ridiculous. I don't know. Did any of you guys play it that much? To get that far through it, I think almost all of you sold your Wii's, didn't you? Yeah, I didn't really get that far in the game. Um, I I think I only played the first couple of worlds. I'm, I liked it for the most part, but I hated doing the the freaking waggle spin attack all the time. And people can kind of argue with me about this, I guess. I just maybe I'm lazy. I don't know. I just I just wanted to use the controller, and I didn't want to waggle every time I had to do the spin attack. But the game seemed like it was pretty cool, and people seemed to love it. And Super Mario Galaxy 2 is now, what, the second highest rated game of all time? Yeah, behind Ocarina of Time on game rankings. Yeah. So, as far as the, the waggle controls go, I think it really helped me that I hadn't played games in so long. I was sort of uh, a blank slate as far as controls go, because I wasn't like married to the 360 controller or the PlayStation huh. controller. You know, like when that was the first thing I picked up, I was like, hey, this is kind of awesome. Because, I, yeah, I mean, I remember playing Twilight Princess and uh, fighting, was it Ganondorf? And having to do, like, spin moves constantly until I worked up a sweat. So, like, I enjoyed those games, and it was interesting spending the past year and a half really playing the hell out of 360 and PlayStation 3 games and not really playing Wii very much at all to get back into Galaxy 2 and just being like, oh, I kind of understand why Eddie and Nick bitch about this now. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Like yeah. it, it was definitely a a different part of my brain to do that. It was weird at first, and I also kind of I do tend to get lost on the planets. Like I, I'll because some of the planets are little tiny things, and and I'll be trying to get a coin, and I miss it like three times walking around the planet. Um, I just but, wish they gave you an option to switch. You know, that yeah, I would have played through more of the first well, one. That's that's I mean you know I kind of joke about it a lot, but I mean I am a little bit serious. Like if if they would let me play, because it gets amazing reviews, and I'm sure it's an incredible game, and, like, there's a possibility that Galaxy 2 might be one of the top five platformers ever made in the history of gaming. And I'm not, never going to know, because I, I just don't want to play with the with the Wiimote. If they would let me use, like, the classic controller, or even a GameCube controller, I would be more apt to, to try to play their games. Like, I, I, I just, I just, I don't know. Yeah, Anthony, what are your thoughts on the game so far? Um, well, I really love it. Uh, with regards to the waggle, like I can un- I can appreciate your guys' um, dislike for it, but uh, I mean, really, it's just a flick of the wrist. It's not like you have to wave your whole arm or anything like that. So it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't really bother me too much. Um, I uh, what I like about Mario Galaxy Two, and I, I I did beat the first Mario Galaxy. I got, I think you needed to get seventy stars to beat it. I got like. Uh, 70 stars, and then I went and beat Bowser because I was 
I had fatigue at the end of the game. I was like, okay, let's just finish it. <laughs> oh, really? Um, yeah, see, I think I got, like, more than 100 stars in the first game before I got to Bowser. Because I, yeah, I did, I, like, every hidden level I could find. Oh, yeah, no, I, um, I would, like, clear out any, you know, the major stars and everything. And I usually, I would find, like, a hidden star by accident. But I never really went looking for them or anything like that. And, um... But when I beat it, I, you know, I always was like, that was a really fun game. I really had a good time. It's really addictive. Once you get one star, it's hard to, you know, stop and, you know, to quit playing because you always want to find that next one. But um, I, uh, with Mario Galaxy 2, it feels like they just had this overabundance of ideas from the first game. And they said, well, we've already got the engine, so let's just go ahead and be creative and focus on the creativity aspect of it. Because uh, just from the first, you know, the first world and, like, the first two or three levels on the second world... Um, you can tell like they they got really creative and every every world so far seems really different from the last and, yeah well uh, i I think like my favorite levels so far have been the first Yoshi level yes, and I was really happy that Yoshi came out so early in the game the The Yoshi mechanic is really cool, and I think that actually justifies the Wiimote because you know you ha you have the the control where you have to point his tongue at the enemies and that was that was a lot of fun seeing all the things that, that Yoshi can do. I also like the level where you did the, the flip panels. It, I don't know if you, you did that one in the first. Yes. That was really or What I was going to say was that the thing that always excited me about the first one was when they clearly did something really different with the level design and kind of mm -hmm. threw this crazy challenge at you. It, like when Mario Galaxy was hard, it was a lot of times it was because it was something creative that they were doing. Yeah. What I love is what the, the main reason I really like Mario games is because you'll finish a level and you'll realize you've probably been holding your breath and like your palms are sweaty. And, and that, that flip uh, block level that you're talking about, that was one of the, that was the first one on Mario galaxy two that, that got that feeling from me. Yeah. I, if, if people out there haven't played it, basically you'll, you're in this black void and uh, there are these these panels that flip back and forth like a switch whenever you do a, a shake move. So if you're standing on the panel when you shake, you'll fall into the the void, and and you have to so you have to time your jumps so that it's switching over to be underneath your feet whenever you shake it. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, it's really crazy. And so and and so you'll see. You'll that go sounds like I would really like it. I really wish I could play this game. And in, ad in addition to that, there's rolling giant chomp-chomp balls that are on the panels that sometimes you have to jump and spin to get them to fall to keep them from crushing you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it, like that, like I said, that was the first one where when I was done with it, I kind of was like, ooh, that was a good one. I really like that. Like, yeah, so what I want to see more like that. So what are some differences in, in the second game than the first one? Like, different tweaks well, that they've made that, that you that stand out to you or that you really like or appreciate besides Yoshi, I guess. Yeah. Yoshi, there's the, cl the there's the cloud level that has a little that where you get to be cloud Mario and you can, uh, make put, like little cloud platforms to jump up higher. Right. Right. My favorite thing is the, um, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You go uh, ahead. My, my favorite thing is they streamlined the, instead of being in a giant hub level, like the castle in Mario 64, you're back on a world map, like super Mario world. Ooh. And <laughs> you just know, spoke I, to my heart, Anthony. You just spoke <laughs> to my heart. I love that because I don't have time. I'm a busy man. I don't have time to run around to find the level to play. Just put me there and let me play the goddamn level. 
and that's what it let me do. And I, when I heard that they did that, I was so happy. And now actually playing it, I'm I'm even happier. Like, I, I know that may not be for everyone, but I'm all about streamlining the interface. They also didn't really waste any time on the whole setup of the story. It was literally like, holy shit, uh, Bowser is enormous, and he has the princess. Well, we got to save her, and that's and then the game starts. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great that's a great the, Mario setup, man. <laughs> yeah, and the first that's all you game need. Rosalina, and you have to find all these stars and this and that. And if you play the first game, you'll you'll get references to that. But otherwise, you're just like, oh, there's a reason to go find stars, and the reason is the princess is missing. So have fun. Nice. So, oh, and one thing I want to mention: the music is really, really good. It it it's probably the best Mario game music I've ever heard. Like it takes the classic tunes and it sort of remixes them in this neat symphonic kind of way, and um, and then the new music is really, really catchy too. It's it's the first Mario game in a long time that you actually notice the music because it's so good. See, you saying that just makes me want to play it more and more. I, I, I did sell my Wii, as Jeff said, but my roommate actually has a Wii, but he uh, let somebody else borrow it, and I might actually ask him to say, hey, can you give me that back? And then maybe rent uh, Mario Galaxy 2 just to kind of check it out because it sounds like something that I would enjoy, but yeah. Yeah, I, I would recommend it um, if you have a Wii. If you don't have a Wii, I mean, there's probably a reason you don't have a Wii, and I wouldn't say go buy it because of this game, but it is really good, and it definitely, you know, it takes everything that was great about Mario Galaxy 2, and it's just it's just more of it, you know. Like, they obviously were overflowing with creativity, so. Nice. Um, now that we've gotten kind of through what we're playing uh the next topic we're going to hit is just kind of um the community topics that that uh i guess the gamer sushi community has uh submitted over the last week it's very funny we don't get a whole lot of comments on the podcast but everyone seems to want to jump in about hey you should talk about this so i'm guessing that there are more of you out there listening to it than than comment um but yeah we so you know we we asked for some of um some user submitted topics and there are some really good ones um, so we're going to start with my favorite, <laughs> my favorite question uh, from the group, which is, uh, what is your favorite video game weapon of all time? So Mitch, do you want to start talking about that? Uh, yeah, I guess I'll go first. Um, so just to further quantify my status as the ultimate Halo fanboy, um, I just want to say that uh, the assault rifle and the pistol from Halo Combat Evolved are probably my favorite video game weapons. Like... Um, I don't know, like, just, I would carry around that assault rifle through levels where you wouldn't even get ammo for it, just to, in the vain hope that I would get ammo for it, just because I liked using it so much. And the pistol was just great for multiplayer. I mean, you had the zoom, it was ridiculously powerful, and so those are, I think those are my favorite video game weapons of all time, so. Wait, the Halo assault rifle and pistol? Yeah. Really? Of all time? Oh, yeah. Wow. Of all time. He is the Halo fanboy. I am the Halo fanboy. Well, I mean, like, I'm I'm kind of like Jeff. I like sort of like was in into gaming in my youth, and I kind of dropped out of it in like elementary school and stuff. And then when Halo came back out, um, that was like the first game I played. So that's just sort of like the one of the ones that has stuck with me the longest. So I just have memories of just running down the corridors in the library, just like wasting flood with the assault rifle and the pistol. So that's kind of just my strongest memories of gaming from when I got started again. Now the Halo the Halo CE pistol was pretty awesome. Um, that thing was it. I've I don't know, like for multiplayer matches, I don't know if I've ever had a gun um, just in terms of like straight up skill, like you versus another person and you both have the same weapon. Like 
I felt like there was almost no truer test of skill than, you know, the two people facing up with pistols um, in that game. That was always fun because me and my roommates would play that all the stinking time in college. Um, but another weapon that I love for Counter-Strike fans is the Counter-Strike AK-47. Um, because if you had ever played that game, there was just a way to use that weapon. Um, if you, <laughs> well, because well, the, well, the first shot was the most accurate. Yeah, the first shot in the game, the first shot of, of that weapon was the most accurate in the entire game. So if you could pull off just like a dome shot with it, you could just rock people. Alternatively, you could put the gun on someone's chest and do the three shot burst, and it would go up from the chest to the head. And triple that was, tap. yeah, you could do the triple tap with that thing. Um, but I also, um, I also love the crackdown, the Firefly rocket launcher. Oh, that thing was badass. <laughs> But yeah, that so much fun with that thing because that was the it was the heat seeking rocket launcher that you could juggle people with, mm-hmm. and that was always uh, that was always a good time. So Anthony or Jeff, do you guys have a uh, have favorite video game weapons? You can go ahead, Jeff. I'll go next. I think I think me personally, I was thinking about it, and I'm gonna go with I guess they might be obvious choices, but they're I, I just like them because they're different from your normal stuff. The portal gun and the gravity gun in Half Life Two. There it is. Yeah, I, I think I really think that the portal gun especially just opens up in a really fascinating gameplay, and it's still—I guess—it's still technically a weapon because you can uh, destroy the turrets and the cameras with it. The gravity gun is just fun. It's just fun to pick stuff up and fling it across uh, the universe, especially when you're in the end level in Half-Life Two, and it gets souped up so that it just like zaps everything. That was so much fun. I actually think that that part of Half-Life 2 with where you only have the gravity gun and it's souped up is my most favorite weapon. The, at the very end? Yeah, at the very end. Yeah, where you, it, like, when you're you, just a badass. Yeah, you're just a badass. You pick up the soldiers and you basically fling them into each other and, and incinerate them. And yes. Very empowering. <laughs> Did any of you ever play the, um, the Odd World? Um, what, what was it? Oddworld, uh, Abe's, Abe's Odyssey and Abe's no, Exodus. Not Abe's Odyssey. There was one that you played as like a bounty hunter in the Oddworld universe. And I'm forgetting the name of it. Something was Wrath. Um, I, I can probably go look it up. But that game had some of the most ridiculous weapons in Stranger's it. Wrath. Stranger's Wrath. And, and yeah, you would, you would, it would have some of the most ridiculous weapons in it. Like there was a gun that shot like bees. Um, and there was like little stink bombs. There was like all kinds of crazy stuff. But that game had some really fantastic, really creative weapons uh, that you could use against enemies. Well, but, I, re- I I really like the B plasmid in Bioshock. That was actually one of the one of the things that I used a lot in Bioshock One. Is I would do I would do like enrage, and then I would do bees, and then I would just do like fire or something, and just kind of like crowd control everybody and then just get them to own each other and then just have the bees dotting on them constantly. I thought that was really fun. Nice. And Anthony, you had you you were up for your favorite video game weapon? Um well my favorite well I like the noob tube obviously from Modern Warfare. Um no I'm playing. <laughs> Jeez. That's uh, a joke. I only do it that to be. challenges. No, I only oh, use yeah. the noob tube when I'm doing challenges. Every other time, I sit there and whine at people who are doing the noob tube, even if they're just doing it to get the challenges. Because how do I know? No, my favorite gun of all time. Um, see, I w- it's 
it's tough because I'm trying to think of all the great guns from the Ratchet and Clank series because they have some of the most yeah, fun that's, weapons. Yeah, I was about to bring that up. I was like, I think Ratchet and Clank has some of the most inventive stuff. Yeah, like th- there's so many like great guns there that I like. Um, my favorite of all time that like I would just jump up and down when I got was the spread gun from Contra. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. yeah. Whenever I got that, I was just like, oh, it on now. You know, you ain't going to stop me, alien bad boys. So that that was probably my favorite um, gun. Um, but, you know, I, I was trying to think of like, you know, because since it was the question was favorite video game weapon, you know, I was like, oh, is there a Final Fantasy weapon that I really just wet myself when I got? And I think it was the um, it was the Atma weapon in Final Fantasy VI, which was this huge sword. And the more hit points you had, the stronger the sword was. And it would, like, take up, like, almost the entire, um, like, it was, like, three times as big as your character when you had, like, over 7,000 hit points. And it could do, like, a ton of damage. And I really loved having it. So those are probably my favorites. Yeah, I just wanted to, to tack on to the end of this. Um, I don't know if I really have a favorite weapon, but something I was telling Jeff and then I know that Eddie knows is that whenever I'm playing a video game, whenever I get the shotgun, yes, that is when the game starts for me. There, there's something about shotguns in video games that it's. I just I love using the shotgun, whether it's you know Gears of War or Doom Two. Like it, 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 there's something about the shotgun that I, I'm just like, yes, I'm gonna own people and it's gonna be awesome because I have the shotgun now. Hey, I have a question for you guys. When you're playing a game like um, you know, j- just like like Fallout, you know, or or um, or even Gears or something like that. Do you ever hoard a weapon that's like really awesome, like, oh, I'm going to need this, and then you end up beating the game and not even using it because nothing that big came along that you would need to use it against? <laughs> I do that all the time. I'll like, no, no, I'm going to need this, I'm going to need this, and then the game's over, and I'm like, I didn't even get to use it. Or then you keep saving it thinking that something that, well, what if I need it later? You know, like, I don't want to use it now. What if I just use it on some guy? You know, yeah, that, I, that, might, I may need to hold on to it for later. Like, the Mass Effect 2 nuke weapon, never used it. Yeah, that's, that's exactly thinking, what I'm talking about. I didn't, just, yeah, I didn't use it either. Yeah, I never used it. Yeah. yeah, I kept I kept holding out, thinking, okay, well, surely there's going to be a situation more appropriate <laughs> for yeah, this new gun. Yeah, yeah, that's. I used it. I used it once just to see what it was like, and it was like total overkill. It was pretty awesome. But other than that, <laughs> I never ever used it. Well, see, yeah, I never I, even used it for that. I never even got to test it. <laughs> I think I think I did test one of those nuke weapons one time and managed to kill myself because isn't it like with a nuke weapon if you're too close to it when it goes off then it kills you too or something. Uh, clearly, I've barely played Mass Effect 2, so it's, you know, maybe I'm talking on my ass. <laughs> Repeat from last week, get on that. Yeah, that's true. You do need to get on that. So, I don't know, Red Dead Redemption, I'm only a little bit into it, but it might it might be, it, it and Mass Effect 2 might be in a pretty close horse race by the time I'm done with it for yeah, my favorite game since 2010 man. already. I see you, guys you, just keep give, you guys just keep giving me homework. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, 2010 has been an insane year. Like already, it, yeah. It, it's it's there's so many incredible games. I can't remember a year like this where there's just like I, I remember I, I was joking to I think it was maybe Mitch or somebody in in one of our email chains that I was just like I thought we were over the the big influx of amazing games, and then all of a sudden like Galaxy Two and Red Dead come out. And they score like high nines or tens on everything else, and I'm like, 
what what happened? I thought we were I thought we were through all of this stuff. Yeah, it's like May. When do when do good games come out in May? Like yeah. when's the last time that's happened? Yeah, I've I've been clamoring for you know them to not hold on to video games for just the holiday season that you know release them the yeah. year round you know and now that they're doing it I'm like I don't know if I can take this yeah I'm like <laughs> stop every two weeks like there's something else I want to buy like yeah you let's, know. Just, let's just let's just let's just not call each other for a couple of months we'll come back and we'll see how we feel <laughs> <laughs> video yeah, gamers right. will never be happy well now I'm worried yeah. that there's going to be nothing left for fall Taylor yeah. Reach well, we'll, we'll is find that out it is that is it Reach it though. Well, Crackdown 2 is coming out in the middle of the summer sometime, I think. And then Halo Reach is going to be September. And I'm not sure what's really left for the kind of fall-winter season. Because Last Call, Guardian Call Last Guardian was pushed to 11, right? Yeah, I think so. And then Star Allegedly, Wars... Allegedly, uh, Final Fantasy so, 14. Yeah, but, Final Fantasy 14, is that this, that's an MMO. But that's the MMO. Nobody's, nobody, we don't worry about that. We, we need to talk about real games here. Yeah, but it's coming out on a console, so it counts for me. I guess. Wow, Nick. I'm sorry. I don't care. <laughs> I, I ain't Kurt. Nice. Uh, um, so I moving on. Follow up New Vegas, though. Oh, oh yeah, yes. New Vegas. Forgot about that. Okay. Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. All right, I think. <laughs> yeah, but that's like 2.5. That's not even Assassin's Creed 3. It's like Halo ODST, but for like Assassin's Creed 2. Yeah, I like ODST. That I like doesn't pitch off at all. Oh, yeah, nope. that's true. You just actually might have helped him out a little bit. <laughs> Give me them spin-offs. Give me them spin-offs. <laughs> All right. Um, so the next topic that, that people submitted uh, was was about video game movies. Uh, why do we think they're so bad? And is there anything, um, is there any kind of video game that we'd like to see made into a movie? Anthony? Uh, yeah, the reason they're so bad is because they, they take shitty video game stories and then turn them into movies. Like Super Mario Brothers. Who... That had not done an excessive amount of drugs thought that was a great idea, you know. Like, but it's I not even, even like, like the, the movie isn't any, anything like the game though. Like rest they didn't in peace, even... Dennis Hopper. By the yeah, way, I was just about to say. <laughs> of um, yeah, but, but like, I mean, Mario doesn't really even have a plot that anyone you know cares about. Like, like, all right, I'll give you. Well, since I'm the Final Fantasy fanboy, let me let me go off on this little rant here. You have. Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within, which is actually a decent science fiction movie, just if you take away all the you know the Final Fantasy stuff. But what Final the, Fantasy stuff? Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a, it's not really about Final named, Fantasy at all. And there's a guy named Sid, and it's about the planet. That's it. Those two things. And it's really not that great of a movie. <laughs> it's, well, but in, in theory, I think. I mean, Anthony, you should finish your your thought. But what I I think they had the right idea. In yeah, a way. like. Well, the thing is, like, I was, you know, I was really, oh my god, a Final Fantasy movie, and then I saw the preview, and I was like, well, I'm kind of not interested anymore. And it wasn't necessarily just because of what, that it wasn't about the game or anything like that, but it was, I, I didn't like the idea that they were doing, like, oh, look, we can make CG people, I'm like, I know what people look like, why don't you show me a CG Bahamut or something like that, you know, like, show me something I haven't seen before, I can look to my left and see a person. Uncanny Valley, man, Uncanny yeah. Valley, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. and that's and, th- and that was what bugged me about that that like you're making a Final Fantasy movie but then like you're not even you're not even incorporating some of the besides like the planet, you know, save the planet, you're not incorporating any of the Final Fantasy kind of themes into it. And I think I think a lot of movies run into that same kind of issue when you're trying to make a video game movie. It's like, uh, well, let's just adapt this and change this and and eventually you kind of strip it down. Like I mean, the Doom movie wasn't save for the little uh FPS sequence 
you know what I mean, like the little first person sequence, there wasn't anything remotely Doom related about anything. Yeah, yeah, they they just they they take these little elements and then they they just wrap their own movie around it. That the you know this movie they already have in their head. Like I love the Resident Evil, like Resident Evil Four, Resident Evil Five. Somebody asked me the other day, oh, you, they're making a new Resident Evil movie, and I'm like, I don't care. Like, well, okay, my pro- okay, really. my problem with the Resident Evil movies is that it, it features a character called Alice that is the main character. That that that's not even part of the Resident Evil universe, really. Mm-hmm. Like. Th- that's not what it's about. It's it's about other people that they put in as secondary and tertiary characters in there. They actually do involve, I think Jill Valentine is in it, and I think there's a few other people. It, it's been a while, and I think I've only seen one and a half of them. <laughs> but but it, it, the, the, the protagonist is a character that was never in the video games. Right. So it, it's silly. It's Wait. silly. Which is why I think that, you know, whether whatever the movie is about, Mass Effect will have a character named Shepard in the, you know, in the movie. The main character will be Shepard. I, I don't even... Uh, that, that, I, that, yeah, okay. I, Eddie, go, and then I need to talk. Well, I'm of two minds about it. That makes it. me mad. Yeah, I'm of two minds about it. Like, one, like, you've, like, like if, you, if, you make, if you make a Mass Effect movie and you make it not about Shepard, then why are you making a Mass Effect movie? But on the other hand, Mass Effect is what it is because you are Shepard. So I just I don't think there's going to be the same kind of there's going to be the same kind of connection. I think that's always a problem you're going to have with video game movies, like well, um, that there's there's not the immersion and not the you know what I mean like not that feeling of connectedness you get with playing as a character, especially in Mass Effect. And so I kind of go two ways about it because like I I almost say like you can't make a movie and not have it be about Shepard because that's Mass Effect. But at the same time, if you do it and have Shepard, then what story are you going to tell? Because I made my story. Involved. Well, they, just to be just to be really stupid, they could have like a choose your own adventure thing. It's like if you want Shepard to shoot the scientist, please press A. <laughs> if you would like Shepard to spare the scientist, please press B. But how Vote is that now. different from playing the game? Yeah, no, that 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 would just be like a really shitty ver- version of the game. Exactly, that's my yeah, biggest I think problem. Happen. I, I think you're. I think you guys are taking maybe taking that a little too literally. Like, you know, there there is like a main quest story to Mass Effect, and they'll just take the little bits of that they like, and then. You know, and oh, that'll be the movie, or they'll just make up their own plot and just use the setting. See, but, my my argument is that I, I mean, I know we just listed off like Final Fantasy and Doom and a couple other movies where they basically threw out everything from the game and made their own thing. I almost think that's the way to go, though. Like, I feel like if you tried to do an adaptation of the exact story that we saw in Mass Effect, the game, that's true. It would be boring. Why would we want to see that? It's just like, oh, okay. You know, they, they already did a really cinematic version of this, really high quality. How are you adding value by turning that into a movie? But my, my touch point, I guess, that I asked about was, why did the Pirates of the Caribbean movies work? And I will admit that I have a personal fondness for them, even though they're, they're kind of bad movies. I, I own all three of the them. The first one is good. I love, I love, I love the first two and enjoy the third one. But I think that they really succeeded when they shouldn't have at all because it's about a Disney ride. Yeah, by all accounts, the movie shouldn't have been entertaining at all. Right. So why did a Disney ride succeed when so many video game game, uh, movies haven't worked out? And I almost feel like it's because there's almost nothing to this. There's no story there. There's no story and no characters. So they do whatever they wanted to. Exactly. It succeeded – because it had a good script. 
Right. And yeah, because it, it had it, good it, actors. Exactly. I was not. I was like, that movie's going to be so stupid. And then I remember seeing a preview for it, and it said Johnny Depp, Orlando Bloom, uh, Jeffrey Rush, directed Kira by Gordon Knightley. Provinsky. Kira Knightley. And I was like, Kira I'm Knightley. There. Yeah, of course. Kira Knightley. There we when go. When I saw Johnny Depp was going to be in it, I was like, well, that's going to be good because he doesn't really pick. You know, he wouldn't be in this just for no reason. You know what I mean? And so, you know that's that's why I was interested. So for a while, Gore Verbinski was going to direct a Bioshock movie, but yes, yeah, I need to talk about that in a second. But yes, he couldn't he yeah. couldn't make it for cheaply enough, and they put it uh, into redevelopment. So he he's off that project, and they're they couldn't make it for the amount of money that they wanted to make it for. Right. Okay. So a few things. One thing uh, when we went to go see Pirates of the Caribbean, I think I saw it with Eddie. Yeah, and I I made fun of the movie for the first ten minutes. Well, that's what we were there for. We were there to to make fun of it. Yes, um, with my brother and I think Daniel was with Dan- us. Daniel we, was there too. Yeah, and, we were and just going to to make fun of the movie because we were like, oh, it'll be one of those dumb, stupid summer movies. Right, and then about and then about I don't know. Tw- I mean, it was pretty early on. I guess it was like twenty minutes in the movie. I'm sitting there and I'm like, nobody's laughing anymore. And everybody's kind of enjoying themselves. <laughs> and then by the end of the movie, like I walked out and I was like, holy crap, that was actually a really, really enjoyable movie. And so, yeah, I mean, like, you know, you were asking, Jeff, I mean, I think it was because they abandoned everything. They were like, we're just going to take this, not even a, a skeleton, we were just going to take this idea of pirates. And then we're just going to go with whatever we want, and we're going to make an, a great script, and we're going to have we're going to have great casting, and we're going to have great action pieces, and you're going to have a great movie, you know. But so they how could do you still do that? they could still brand it. That's the thing; they could still right. brand it. Right. As... See, how do you, but how do you do that for something where there's already a set story? Like, and, that, and that's if my you're problem. Make, if you're going to make a Halo movie, you can't strip out Master Chief because then it's not a Halo movie. And then if you just were going to retell one of the stories of the games, then you know what I mean? Like then, then you're gonna then it's gonna be kind of boring because it's like, well, I've already seen this in a game. So what's the right? There's yeah, there's there's gotta the, be a, there's a tightrope there. That's one of the problems with video game movies is you know in order to create like um, an emotional resonance and everything and to create more conflict, you need to add in other characters who normally wouldn't be there. Usually in a video game, it's you by yourself, you know, but. Like, oh, there needs to be a girl there. Otherwise, what's the hero? Who is he talking to? You know what I mean? Who, you know, why is he doing this? You know, they always have to add in these extra people. And that makes us video games fans mad. Because, like, man, she wasn't in the movie. Why'd they have to do that? You know, and stuff like that. It is really, really difficult. So I have no good answer. I would just say that not every game should be made into a movie. I think Mass Effect has a good chance of being good. Um, I, I realize now that nobody really answered the original question, which is which game. Should we? Yeah, sorry do, about do, that. Should we? No, no, no one answered, and I just wanted to bring back to it because I remember telling Eddie to this because you know I've always been big on like I don't really care about story in video games and stuff like that. But I, you can ask Eddie. I said this a couple years ago. Uncharted would be the perfect video game okay. movie because it's already like a movie. Okay, sorry, uh, no, do, uh, Eddie, go and then and then I'll talk. Well, I was gonna say, to me that means it wouldn't be because you've exactly. already got it and it's a twenty-hour awesome movie. Exactly. And to try to strip that down and put it into a two-hour movie, you're remaking Indiana Jones. Exactly. And here's the thing. But but, but, uh, but they make movies like that all the time. They make like Sahara. They make adventure movies. But all that the doesn't. Time. Sahara, but they're Sahara's not good. Not a good touch they're terrible. So. Well, but yeah, but you can make a good one because it already it's easy. What I'm saying is it's easily translatable 
to the big screen. And it's 20 hours because some of that is just shooting and stuff like that. If you actually take a, you know, just take the core bits of the story, you've probably got a two-hour movie. Yeah, but the problem yeah, well, with the, that the, is the that... With... Okay, go, Mitch. Sorry, I was going to say the problem with that, Anthony, is that your theory is fine on paper, but once you actually make the transition to an actual film, then, like, there's a hundred ways that that can fall apart. Like, sure, you're going to take the story... Of say you take the story of Uncharted Two and you transition it to a script and you cut it down to maybe like two hours and whatever, and then people go into the movie and they're like, "Well, I'm expecting to see this from the game and that from the game," and then like, "There's not enough shooting." Well, then there's too much talking, and it's just like, it it's striking that fine balance between taking the stuff that people want to see out of a video game movie and then the stuff that should be in an adaptation. It's so, like like it's like walking a tightrope, like you said. But like, you there's can't... a million ways it could fall apart. You really can't think that way when you're making the movie, though, because if you make like Pirates of the Caribbean, like you know, they couldn't say, "Well, we have to please the people who like the ride." They said, "Let's just make a good movie and screw all the other stuff." You know, like just don't. Even, if if the script is good and the actors are good, then you'll get tons of people to come in to watch it, and it doesn't matter if they like if they played the video game or whether they're like, "Oh man, Nathan Drake didn't say this line." You know what I mean? Like, well, I see, I see what you're saying. Like in theory, like well, I mean, what you're saying makes sense. Like yes. that that. Uncharted, great. It's already cinematic. It would translate well, but to me that, to me that would make, like I like I totally see what you're saying, and and in theory that that does hold up. That it's like, well, it's already kind of like a movie, so it would make it, and it, it probably would, you'd be kind of easy to transition in that way. But I don't think that makes it. To me, like you should make a video game movie when you can improve on, you know what I mean? Like if if does it improve on this like. You know what I mean? Like, what can a movie do that the game already couldn't? And right, to me, adding, that's adding where Uncharted. Down. To me, that's where Uncharted doesn't succeed as a movie. Like, how can a movie? What can a movie bring to this that the game couldn't do on its own? It's and true. I think that's that's where Uncharted would fall apart for me. Yeah, because. I understand what, oh, go ahead, Nick. Well, because well, I mean, I guess I was going to talk about a few things here, but <laughs> to I mean, the the three things I wanted to touch on, I wanted to touch on. Uncharted 2, I wanted to touch on Mass Effect 2, and I wanted to touch on Bioshock. Um, because with Uncharted 2, what everybody's saying is like, you know the thing in Uncharted 2 where you're, you're running through the village and you're fighting a tank? Mm-hmm. It's incredibly amazing as a video game. Like, I mean, that, that is something, that is a feeling that you can't recreate in a movie. So it's like, I don't, I don't want to recreate that in a movie. Like, I don't, like, it, I have that as a video game. I... I, I want to see something else, some other story told in a movie. Because I have the video game. Like, I mean, it, I, I hate the whole, like, oh, well, it's just a video game. You know, make it a movie to, like, legitimize it. No, I mean, like, you know, I mean, now we actually have legitimate games, I would think, in game stories, especially Uncharted 2. And with Mass Effect 2, it's like, I don't, I, I already played this amazing story with these amazing characters. So you're just going to recreate that on the screen for me, but I'm not going to be able to interact with it. So it's kind of like a cheapening of the same experience. And so the last point is Bioshock, where out of all of them, out of all of them, the whole idea behind the original Bioshock, I mean, I guess I don't really want to talk about spoilers, even though it's really old, but the whole idea around the original Bioshock is it that that aspect of like the big flip and the big the big thing that happens in Bioshock that doesn't work unless you are that character if you're watching it on screen then it's like oh it's just another thing 
It's it's a commentary on video games and how they're played. Yeah, right. But right. but if you're wa- if you're playing that character, then it's a total mind fuck that is amazing and is why Bioshock is one of my favorite games of this generation. But it's like I f- I think we need to I think when we when we take like really good video games and we're like well we're just gonna make a movie of it. I feel like you're putting down that video game. By it's like oh it's not good enough. The story isn't good enough, so we're gonna take it. We're gonna make it a movie. And we're going to legitimize it. We're going to make it like a real thing. It, it's kind of the whole thing of like video games, it, the whole Roger Ebert thing, video games is an art. You know, it, it is. And we're really getting some really great stuff now. We're legitimately Uncharted 2 is better than a lot of movie scripts. And, and, and I mean, that we joke about how like, oh, this video game is better than a movie. But, I mean, even a really bad movie probably has a better script than most video games. Even a really bad one. Uncharted 2 legitimately had a better script than a lot of movies. Not great, great movies, but it had a better script than a lot of movies. So, I, I feel like I, I don't want to see movies of these video games. I'm almost of the thing of, let's see movies of shitty video games, where we do what Jeff said, and we do the whole, or Anthony, and we do the whole, like, scrap the whole thing... Just make a completely different thing. Like, take Mortal Kombat and just say, fuck it, people are fighting, we're going to have Scorpion, let's make a story about this. You know know what's kind of bonkers? They're making a movie of, this is a board game, Battleship. They are making a movie of Battleship. Let's do it. They're making a movie about asteroids. Yeah. Yeah. They're making a movie about everything. To me, and and that's where, actually, where I think Prince of Persia, I mean, I haven't seen it, but I actually kind of want to. Because I mean, they took they did what we've talked about with the Pirates of the Caribbean thing, where they they took kind of the basic idea, and part of this is because Prince of Persia, you can kind of recreate the franchise all the time. You know, I mean, they they've rebooted the franchise several times because you just take the the main staple of the prince and all that stuff. You know what I mean? Like you you take that main staple and then they just they just rewrote everything around it, and it actually looks kind of entertaining, and. You know what I mean, and so and so they actually kind of did that, and so maybe the answer is to find franchises like that or things like that where you say, well, how can we, you know, what can we do in a movie that we couldn't do before? And we, I mean, that's this is kind of a, a branch off, but we always talked about this with uh, Machinima when we were making Machinima. It was like, well, why does this succeed as a Machinima where it couldn't succeed as a live action thing? You mean like to me, that's the only way Machinima works is if. You should make it because you could as a live action like Elite World as a live action series would have been so stupid, like it wouldn't have worked. And it, and it would have been ridiculously expensive to make. Yeah, it only works in Counter Strike. You know, what I mean, it doesn't work. <laughs> you know, as as a live action right. thing, mm-hmm. and that's why it succeeds as a machinima. Whereas if you try to make it in a real thing, it would be so retarded. You know. So anyway, Jeff, you had a point you wanted to make. Yeah. Well, so basically, I think, despite what you guys are saying about Uncharted. The reason that I think Uncharted would work better than Mass Effect is because the games are both very standalone. So it's like Nathan Drake has an adventure that wraps up at the end. Right, so it's and like, it's it's like second, Indiana Jones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, you get characters that come back each time, but you could theoretically make a movie that was about Nathan Drake that included those characters. That wasn't that was, from the game. It was like a side story. Yeah, yeah. yeah it could yeah, be a completely totally standalone story, and that would work. It was Temple of Doom. I, yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah. Th- I don't think it'd be necessarily a good idea because I feel like we haven't really hit Indiana Jones again. Even Spielberg and Lucas can't hit Indiana Jones again. So, 
why would someone else try and do it and fail at it? But Mass Effect is such a serial storyline. Like, everything that you do in the first game leads up to everything that you do in the second game, leads up into whatever happens next. And I feel like there's not really a lot of wiggle room there for them to say, here's another story that happens about Commander Shepard that doesn't run the canon of the games that people aren't going to be pissed off about. I don't, I don't know. That, that's what makes that a little bit harder to work with. Jeff, yeah, Jeff it, I agree with you. Like, I mean, I think, if anything, the thing I'm most interested about in Mass Effect is actually the world. Like, if you could take something and put it in that world, but make it about characters that we don't know about, I think that yeah. might be actually kind of interesting. I realize that doesn't have the same appeal, and a studio would never sign on to that, but, I mean, personally, for me, that's kind of what I'm interested in. All right, Mitch, now you had some stuff you wanted to talk about, too? Yeah, I just I just wanted to mention, I think uh, we kind of skipped over one of these, because I think we all tried to forget it, but um, the Hitman movie that came out a while back, I mean, that was one of the things where, like, I can't really tell why they made it, but I also can see why they made it, because it's like, He's a guy who goes around and assassinates people, which is pretty much like the games, but it still managed to be not that great. So I kind of don't that like I just don't understand the Hitman movie is pretty much the point I'm trying to make, which is kind of the thing. Like it's a game, it worked really well as a game, but why do you need to make the movie? I yeah, I have no clue how that ever got optioned. Like who thought, let's look at all the video games on the rack, let's make Hitman a movie. I don't know how that happened, but yeah. Well, probably how it happened is they're like well, we want to make this movie. And then some guy was like, well, you'll never get that movie made. It's too generic. And then some guy was like, I know, we'll slap a video game franchise onto it and all the nerds will come and see it. And the other guy was like, great. Here's $100 million. Go make Hitman. That might true. not actually might might not actually be wrong. I think that's what happened. With, well, <laughs> that, you know, might, last, that might have actually been the conversation. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, the last Die Hard movie was, I think, written as something else first and it was rewritten. Yeah, Die I Hard heard movie. about that, yeah. Wow, I could work in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Now, Anthony, you had some things you wanted to say too, and then we'll probably try okay. to move on. Unless, but this has been a good discussion. <laughs> well, well, my first, um, just to go back to what Jeff was saying, like, um, I think if they make a movie about Mass Effect or Uncharted or whatever, it's a separate universe from the video game. So I don't think canon, like the continuity, or whatever, would have anything to do with that at all. Like, I that wouldn't even enter in anyone's mind. I would think because, like, the Lord of the Rings book are different than the Lord of the Rings movies, you know, and everyone's okay with that to, to separate the two. Um, uh, Nick, when you were talking about Bioshock, you're right. Yeah. Like that twist wouldn't work, but that's a, that's a case where the setting would really work well for a movie. That's, that's the neat setting. I would like to see that done in a movie. Um, but, but don't you kind of say like, I, I loved it as a video game and I don't need to see that as a movie. I, I love well, that I think experience. There's a lot, I think there's a lot of, more you know possible stories you could tell there and if they made it like i'm not clamoring for a bioshock movie but if they made one and it looked like it was made well i would go see it um okay. bioshock movie but, about the fall of rapture make that, that that's what i was about to say actually Mitch. yeah exactly is, yeah, Show that rapture would be kind of interesting height. you know we always get the the stuff after it's all crappy and everything let's see rapture you know at its height and everything let's see the battle between you know um Andrew Ryan and you know whoever else. Yeah, like with Halo, um, if they had done a, a Halo Reach before they had decided to do the Halo Reach video game, but if they had done a Halo Reach movie, that would have been killer. You know, right? Anyway, um, the last thing I want to mention is um, Nick. I don't think that when they make a when they make a movie out of a video game that they're saying that the story in the video game isn't 
good enough or, or that they're degrading it in any way. I think they're just like, a lot of people play this game, let's try and make some money off it by making a movie out of it. You know, and they make lots of bad video games into movies like, um, what was that, uh, the one you, you know, Huey Bowl makes a lot of them. Yeah, you know, like, oh. House of the Dead. There was a, well, in the name of the King, I think, was one of them. I may be getting that title wrong. Far Cry. Um, yeah, he made a Far Cry movie also. Postal. Far Cry was good. Yeah, Postal. Oh. Yeah, and I mean the thing is, Anthony, is I'm not saying that like, I I mean I get it. I I understand how Hollywood work, Hollywood works, and I understand how the industry works. I'm I'm more talking about it from kind of a an artist view of like what I want to see done in interesting ways and for me it's like i don't i mean i saw that done already and i played that and i experienced that i don't need you to tell me about it again or you to tell me about it in a different way but in the same universe yeah all right um wow that was a (laughs) that was a long discussion about that um, I think we'll go ahead and skip over some of the last user-submitted questions and move straight into gaming news. So there have actually been kind of a lot of um, news topics from this last week that we can talk about, but one that, that's been going around is is the rumors of what Natal is going to be priced at, um, Project Natal that Microsoft's working on for their uh, motion control. And the rumor going around right now is that it's going to cost $149. Um, and so I guess I was going to throw that out and see if we thought that was too much or not enough or, or what people thought. So, Mitch, what are your thoughts on the towel being $149? Um, my thought on that is that $149 for, for Natal, just the camera by itself, is way too high. I mean, it's $149 in the States. Uh, I'm Canadian, so I'm going to guess that the price for that is going to be jacked up by at least 20 bucks for some stupid reason. So it's going to end up being like $170 up here. And that's that's just way too much. I mean, unless they're bundling it something like, I'm just going to be flipping here and say Microsoft Sports Resort or something like that. Um, I $149 is way too much for just the camera. I mean, I could see paying 125 for that. Um, I know it's like proprietary technology, but other than that, I can't really see paying 150 for that. What do you think, Eddie? Um, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like. I mean, I'm kind of with you. Like, 149 is a little is a little on the on the high side, but at the same time, you know, I feel like 100 dollars is a little too is almost like too cheap for it. And and it's kind of what we talked about in the last couple of podcasts: the idea of incremental upgrades to systems. And if you're and if you're looking at Natal as kind of like an inter- incremental upgrade to a system, then 149 it's it's a tad high, but it's not like I don't think it's outrageous. You know, I feel like maybe 100 and 29 might have been maybe more appropriate, but I, I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of comments where people are freaking out about the 149 price point. Like, oh, that's way too much. That's way too much. But, you know, like, kind of like what we said, that, that video games can do these incremental upgrades, and a towel is meant to be that. I don't think 149 is, like, anything outrageous, really. Well, yeah, because yeah, what they're going to try to do is, I mean, like you said, Mitch, it's like that's too much for a, a, a camera. They're not going to sell you on that. They're going to sell you on this is a new experience, you know. This is a whole new technology that, and I mean, I mean to their to their credit, yes. I mean it is like the stuff they're doing. Like I mean those videos that I did. We talk about this on the first podcast where the guy was doing some crazy stuff with physics and interaction and stuff, and he was on the Natal team for a little bit. That they are doing some really crazy, interesting stuff with interfaces, and they're going to sell you on that. 
rather than just it's a camera, you know. Yeah, but my my problem with that is is like they show you all this like tech demo stuff. It's like this is what we want it to do, but it's like what am I as the consumer actually going to get it to do? I mean, like I can turn on Jimmy Fallon and watch Jimmy Fallon play Burnout with his like hands and feet and whatever, but when it comes into my home, is that actually how it's going to work for me? I know they say they want it to do that, but if I end up paying one hundred forty nine dollars for a camera that's going to do half of what they want it to do. Then that I'm gonna feel ripped off. So I actually just maybe we'll see something at E3 with their Natal presentation, but well, I actually want to see real consumers using this to its full potential is yeah, what that, I want to see before I plunk down 150. That's what I was gonna say. Is that's the the myth and reality of E3. I mean that's it's what they they show you at E3 and then what you actually bring bring home in the store. Well, it's kind of like um, the Wii was. I mean, the Wii Motion Plus to me is what I thought the Wii was supposed to do from the get go. Well, it's kind of uh, what they they presented at E3. Yeah, exactly. They'd always. I remember reading a thing where it was like, "Yeah, you can bank and you can do all these different things and put little subtle, whatever on it." And then, it, and then the Wii Motion Plus came out, and I was like, "Oh, I guess this thing isn't as sophisticated as I thought it was." You know, when I was playing it for a while. Um, but yeah, that that it, the Wii Motion Plus added functionality that I thought was supposed to be there from the from the beginning. Yeah, because uh, I mean, well, you figure that you kind of figure that out. Like, I mean, when I first got the Wii, and I was like. I'm going to stand up and I'm going to play tennis. I'm going to play golf and whatever. And then eventually I figured out I could just sit on the couch and I just and literally have to flick my wrist. And it's going to do whatever motion I want it to do. So, I I think that unless I'm totally an idiot, which I have been in the past, uh, I think Microsoft and Sony both with Natal and Move or Wave or whatever, um, they need to taper down their expectations of what they think this is going to do in yeah. terms of compared to the Wii because oh I agree people, people who want motion control like you know all the families and the grandmas and the soccer moms they've got the Wii they're not going to buy a 360 and pay $149 for this the only people going to buy this are the people who um have ha- only have like a 360 or a PS3 or you know maybe they have a Wii too but um basically it's going to be the fanboys who've said oh I don't care about motion control but now all of a sudden they're going to care about motion control that's the only people who are going to buy this. The, I mean, there will be some, you know, spillover like from Wii fans, but it's not going to be the great success that the Wii is. So, um, you know, $149, that actually isn't too bad. But, I mean, there would have to be something really special, like really amazing, even more so than Minority Report menus to make me want to buy it. You need and like a, a system selling game, basically, is what you're saying. It, oh, yeah, exactly. That's Because that's what sells systems is games. Okay, here's the other thing we should consider is that, like you say that people who have Wii's aren't going to buy it, but like if they launch Natal with a 360, I mean they haven't said anything about bundles, right? With like it's system true. and the camera. So if like if you're at the store and you see the 360 and the camera for say 250 bucks, I, that's pretty reasonable to me. Yeah, and that's, that's that could arcade. be a big but, deal. But but you'll also have next to it on the shelf the Wii for 200 dollars, and you know everybody loves the Wii and everybody like you know all your friends have it. You know it's. I'm, like you're right, there will be some some people like that, but I think at the end of the day, they're still going to buy that stupid Wii. It's true, <laughs> but, 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 but here's, I don't know if they have the Wii, and then they're like they go into the store, and they see the 360 with the Natal for 250. That could be an interesting buy for them. Yeah, that that yeah. does make it that does make it a little bit more. Uh, more interesting because I, mean, I don't know yeah. if they want to sell it brand new though i mean if you think about how many households already have 360s and ps3s <clears throat> i mean part of their market is going to be these people i mean think about how many 360s and ps3s are out there 
you know, 20 yeah. million, 30 million, 40 million. Like if you're, you know, if you're, if I'm Microsoft, yeah, I want new people to go ahead and buy it, but you know who I really want to buy it? The 20 million people that already have my console. You know, right. I want them all to spend $150 more than I want. Yeah, yeah, it'd be great if new people come out and do it too, like the Wii. But I think, you know, if I'm Microsoft, I really want the 20 million people that already have my 360 to go ahead and spend an extra $150 because it's like buying a new system. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Uh, that's why we always end up getting a new system in the first place is because exactly. the market is saturated. They're like, well, shit, all 30 million people that are going to buy our system have bought it. We need to convince them to buy something new. Exactly. And exactly, like. Yeah, so they, I think that they're actually going to have to really sell it on software way more than the Wii ever had to. Because I think the thing yeah. with the Wii was it was novelty value. and Very they managed much to, so. The, very much novelty value. They managed to hook in non-gamers who were excited about playing bowling and stuff like that. I and think then, they, and then they had Wii Fit, and then that right, sold right. people who were like, I don't want to be fat anymore. <laughs> so, so I mean, yeah, so video we, game. Yep. We managed to we managed to find Nintendo managed to find the niches that they could really pull in very well. I I have to wonder if uh, Microsoft and Sony are going to be able to find the marketing niches that will convince people like you and me that we need to pony up and 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 get this new system. I like I don't see myself getting it if if I can continue to play games on the system for the next couple of years and not even have to think about that control system. I won't bother. If it's only if it becomes something that is like mandatory for me to have, and when I say mandatory, I mean like a game that is so fucking incredible that I have to buy it, then yeah, that's when I'm going to pick it up. But until then, it it yeah, it's going to be superfluous, and that's why we're all kind of like I remember when it first came out, we were all hoping that it'd be really cheap because they would hopefully admit that it was going to largely be super you know i can't say superfluous uh, <laughs> every time you say superfluous i think of a third nipple i don't know why uh, keep going i'm glad to bring a little sexiness to the podcast tonight <laughs> <laughs> but no seriously but i think if they Needle. priced it if they priced it cheaper they would be admitting that they have a tough market you know like if they price it too high they're just going to shoot themselves in the foot <laughs> Shoot the yeah, I mean, I, it's true. It's like I, for me, the thing that interests me the most about Intel isn't playing games with it. It's really the the interface, the UI, is the thing that, like the like somebody said, the Minority Report interface of it. The, right. That the idea of it is more exciting than playing a stupid game on it. Like I, I like I mean you know I talked about earlier in this podcast I don't want to play a, a game that got a ten a perfect score on I, IGN because I have to waggle it I I want my <laughs> controller and I want to play games that way because that's an interface that I've used since I was six years old and I but at the same time when they're showing these Natal demos the thing that gets me kind of like oh that's really interesting is when they're like navigating a menu. And for me, that's something that's really awesome and that I'm really about, but not for $150. Um, one of the next news stories that we have is about, there's kind of a study that came out that talked about um, that extreme gamers play 48 uh, uh, hours a week. Um, Nick, do you want to talk about that? Because that number sounds a little ridiculous to me. I don't, I, don't, I don't play 48 hours a week. I'll just go that. I don't know if I'm an extreme gamer. How many X's? How many X's were in that? 
and then <laughs> I'll tell at least you three or four. And well, how so, much Mountain Dew was involved in the study? Oh God! But <laughs> think about it, like, what's the most you've ever played? Uh, I think the most I ever played was when I was playing Oblivion. And I know I'm not like what you'd call a hardcore gamer, but that is the highest high point of how much I played in a week, where I would sit and play Oblivion for seven hours on a Sunday, and then maybe play it like three or four hours a night. But I never topped that like 48 hours. That's... Well, Nick's already got 10 for like Red Dead Redemption. Oh, He's okay. had it like a day. No, and I'll say this. I'll say this, but the, the problem with that is that it's the on average. Because, yes, I will say that in college, there's probably a few weeks or maybe many weeks where there's a possibility that I could have done 50 hours a week in Counter-Strike. But 50? It, that's, that's pretty. Really? Eddie, do you remember how much we played the game? But eight hours a day? We did not play eight hours a day. Yeah, we guess, played it a lot. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Okay, well then, then the whole the whole study shit. Because if I didn't play <laughs> Counter Strike that much in college, and that's the most I've ever played video games in my life, then yeah, that that's that's silly. Because I mean, I I guess I would have to say on average I would do maybe on a good week probably twenty hours. Yeah, that's probably my max, on a and that's only yeah, on a if good like, I have nothing to do, and that right. never yeah. happens. Yeah, that's when you that's when you have a long weekend and you have Red Dead Redemption. <laughs> like, that's <laughs> yeah. that that's it. I mean, other than that, it's like I hope to get in an hour or two on every other night of the week, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Well, here's here's the other thing about that. Like even like like pro- professional gamers, like extreme air quotes there, because I don't think you can actually be professional play video games. Personal opinion, but like. Even considering them, like you got to take into account, like a StarCraft match is going to be like twenty minutes at most. A Halo match is ten minutes. So even if you're playing video games professionally, you're not going to rack up forty-eight hours because the matches are so short. Probably. I yeah. think if you take World of Warcraft out, the, that number shoots way down. So, yeah. Well, because I know people that's all they play. I mean, my brother, like my older brother, he cultivated a relationship with the manager at GameStop. Just to get a Wii, like you know, hey man, call me when they come in. So the guy called him cell phone and this and that. Never plays it. Plays World of Warcraft. So yeah, but at know. the same time, like, I mean, that would have to be crazy because think about the amount of gamers in the world, and then think about the amount of people that play World of Warcraft. Those World of Warcraft players would have to to average out to forty eight a week for all gamers, or for all like hardcore gamers. I mean, those people would have to play eighty hours a week. Did they also include Farmville people on this? I'd really like. I'd really like to get in depth on no, this study. Because no, they did No, they didn't. Actually, because I guess that's, that's consi- the big question. Is that is considered because that is considered casual gaming. Yeah, there, yeah. There's this whole thing where it's like, I, I, you know, well, I was it, talking it may to be Jason. Considered casual gaming because of the the difficulty, but I know people who play Farmville like 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 ten hours a day. That's not casual anymore. You know exactly, and that's the thing is like, it, I actually I had a conversation when I was out in L.A. last week with Jace. Where he's like, he laughs at people who are like, "Oh, I don't play video games, but they play stuff on their iPhone." He's right, like, "When yeah. did the, when did those stop becoming video games?" And I totally agree with him. Like, I mean, like that's they're they're everywhere now. Like, I mean, you can't just be like, "I'm sitting at my computer with a mouse and a keyboard, and there's a gun there, and I have to fire and kill people," or "Oh, I'm sitting on my couch." Like, I mean, gaming is everywhere these days. But even even with iPhone gaming and all of that stuff, I I still can't see forty eight hours for even extreme gamers. I think that um, there are people out there uh, who are a lot sadder than we are in their <laughs> lives because you know I um 
I, I will make a confession regarding Oblivion. Uh, I played it, and then you know, I really liked it. I put about 30 hours into it, and then I stopped because you know the, the difficulty, like the, the fact that the world levels up with you, it was getting to be a bit too much for me. And then I came back that to That kind of bothered me found, too, by the way, but okay, keep going. Yeah, and then I've, I found on GameFAQs, you know, people have uploaded their game saves and everything like that. So I found one where the guy had like maxed out all of the statistics and like got all the weapons and got you a ton of gold and got you all the spells but didn't take on any quests at all. So you had everything you would ever need in the game, but you could just go and do the quests. And so I said, that sounds like the kind of thing I'd like to do now that I've played about 30 hours of this already. And that guy, it took him 170 hours to do that. Wow. Wow. And and that was just grinding in the dungeons, I'm sure. Like, not even doing the interesting stuff. It's just like, let's go cave, kill monster. That was him jumping up and down, like, you know, for 13 hours and then you know swimming for thir- that was him doing the most mind-numbing stuff so i but know, even think I, about I have- that thinking about 170 hours to average out 48 <laughs> hours a week he still would have to play the fuck out of that game well what i'm saying is like also he probably botted the jumping there are people who have a lot more time on our hands to do the most mundane things uh than we do so like i have mixed feelings about that guy at one point i'm you know at one hand i'm like oh my god i love this guy thank you at the other time i'm like Please go outside and have sex. Like, do something. <laughs> have, sex, have sex outside. Have sex outside. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I thought, too. Stop having sex pay, inside. If you have to pay, <laughs> that's fine. Like, whatever. Just please go outside of your room and find a girl or a boy, whatever. And just, you know, please, like, have some human interaction. So. Uh, well, I'm reading this, this, the thing about it, the actual study. And it's saying it's including download purchases and microtransactions and prices smartphones yeah see this is this is kind of the thing where it's like you know when they do like the fattest city in in america milwaukee you know what how they do that they don't actually go weigh people they do by how many restaurants yeah they do how many restaurants how many shops um, per per like a square mile mile. so the thing is is if they do this see they're 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 doing it wrong here i think i think this is kind of a study kind of like that where they're like Oh well, if people download this many things and they do this many this and then that, well then that means that they do forty-eight hours a week. They're not actually polling people, and the p and even polling is kind of bullshit because because I I looked and I had played ten hours of Red Dead Redemption. In my head, it feels like I've played like forty hours of it. So I mean, <laughs> even polling is a little bit. Eh, I'll, so I, I think yeah I think the soul set is kind of a little bit bullshit. Well yeah it also says gamers age two and older spend thirteen hours per week playing games. Are we really pulling three year olds? Right I mean, yeah. you're not like, yeah. exactly. This yeah I'm sorry I'm calling shenanigans on this one. <laughs> shenanigans. So I just I just want to make a quick point like I mean we're we're discounting this thing now but you always got to remember like whenever you get like a first person shooter like say bad company 2 or modern warfare 2 and you log on and like you get it maybe a day after everyone else and there's always that one dude who has prestiged already and you're like how are you doing that like where are you getting the time to prestige in this game it's been out for like 2 days or yeah, you're they're... or you're our friend Daniel who is the number 1 <laughs> tower defense iPhone RTS or whatever it is, the tower defense iPhone game, he was the number one player in the world on a certain map because he played it whenever he had a free few minutes. He would just play this yes, map over and over true. and over again and got it perfect and then he was the number one player in the world. That's insane. Yeah. Actually he's actually he's I think he's all 
he's almost every top 20 spot. There was one oh. guy who tied his <laughs> score and was like number six. But like Jeez. he's the re- he's like 19 of the top 20 spots because he perfected the map. And like literally it's like you're watching TV and it's like a commercial break or, oh, this is a boring part of this episode. I'm just going to play this game for a second. Right. Yeah, there, there's a guy who added me as a friend the other day uh, after playing Modern Warfare 2. And I looked at his um, his like little profile, and he's played the game Modern Warfare Two. He's played it for thirty two days and like twenty hours, which oh. is like se- over seven hundred and fifty hours of gameplay. He's got to be crazy. he's got to be a high schooler. He has On to be, one, yeah, or exactly. college, or college. Yeah. I mean Eddie. I mean I know me and Eddie have talked about this before, but like, and like at now that we're we're like in the real world, realizing how much free time we actually had in college. We should have played even more games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My my roommate in college played the first Halo so much that he like, he would just play it over and over and over and over again on Legendary. Eventually, he wanted to play it through and see if he could beat it with melee and grenades only, without huh. firing a single shot. And then he did it. Wow, that's really impressive. Be, it not being eight years old. Yeah, because if you're eight, <laughs> I get it. If you're not, it's like that's really impressive. I don't even know how he got through the library, but he did it. Well, <laughs> that you know, that gives me a I headache w- thinking about it. <laughs> I was looking on GameFAQs the other day to try to find a good place to farm some gill for Final Fantasy 13, and I saw a fact called <laughs> "No Crystarium Usage Challenge Guide." What as people want to play and beat the game without leveling up at all? That's people stupid. Do these, that doesn't even sound do fun. That, that's not possible. It can't be possible. No, yeah. like literally, you fight you fight bosses with a million hit points. There's no way you could do it without touching the crystarium. I refuse uh-huh. to believe this. Apparently, this virgin <laughs> thinks you can do it. This is not my reality. I do not accept <laughs> it's it. Not a real thing. Well, yeah. When I, I remember when I got online, I would start looking on this stuff and like you know they'd be like, oh, play Final Fantasy VII using only Cloud and no other characters. You know, like they would be in your party, but you just can't use them and stuff like that. And people would challenge themselves to these things, and I'm like. Go outside right now. Yeah. Don't even have sex. Just please go outside so the police can arrest you. Good deal. Well, we didn't even get to talk about a bunch of things because we went off on a few topics there. Um, but awesome yeah, topics. We didn't get to touch on Killzone 3, Insomniac going to EA, Beyond Good and Evil 2. Was the I the team. only one that liked Killzone, by the way? Killzone 2, anyway? Maybe. Yeah, Probably. it sounds like it. So I don't think that was any great loss not talking about it. I, I, I might have just made a snarky comment about it, <laughs> and that would have been. It, it looks good. The jetpacks make it look like Screaming Mantis from Metal Gear Solid Four. I'm just gonna say that. And then I wanted to talk about the team, uh, the team Eco Collection that might be coming next, but which looks really awesome, and I want oh, yeah, more team makes of games like that. I want yeah. Ico. I want Shadow of the Colossus. I'm really interested. I think they're actually doing this because. Most people don't have backwards compatible PS3s. Exactly. Yeah. So they're they're having to do that. and actually it's kind of good for gamers because we're now getting HD versions of awesome gaming, awesome what? games that that were like right at the end of last yeah. generation like Shadow of the Colossus where I want Metal Gear Solid 3 in oh, that format so bad. Oh, let's so bad. do it. Let's See, do I, it. I would, With like an like, actual 3D camera. Oh. Yeah, I I read that Sony is like polling people asking what other kinds of collections from the PS2 would you like like God of War collection. So maybe we will start seeing more of these things. I would I love think, it. Yeah, I think that's totally yeah, I'm I'm all for it. I'd much rather have that than I know I could pick up a PS2 for like 50 bucks. My brother actually has two PS2s. Uh, I still got mine. Yeah, yeah so mine. 
I yeah, know we, I t- find, we, are, we already talked about this, but me and Eddie still have our launch day PS2s. That's yeah. impressive. Keep yeah, going. so if I really felt like it, I could go find one, but then I'd have to watch it, you know, in SD on my... And if I could just wait a little while for them to remaster it in HD, I would... I'm totally for that. Yeah, and I think most people, they, they always say they want backwards compatibility, but most people don't use them. So well, I think Microsoft, Microsoft cuts support for backwards compatibility, so that just shows you how much people actually use it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, same thing, like um, Final Fantasy VII... I have the disc. I have the PS1 disc, and, it, and the PS3 actually will play PS1 games. Yeah, right. I could I could put the disc in at any time, but then it came out downloadable. I'm like sweet, and then I downloaded it, even though I have the game because I knew I could put it on my PSP and stuff. But still, you know what I mean? Like I never, I have, I've always had the ability to put the disc in, but I didn't play it until I downloaded it. Right. I'm gonna play Chrono Cross that way on the PS1 using my you know PS1 disc that still works. Although I discovered. You remember in the old PlayStation days when the circle button was confirmed and the X button was cancel? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that happens on Chrono Cross, so I'm going to be really frustrated for the first hour or so. <laughs> <laughs> Why you unlearn? Yeah, well, I unlearn the things I've been doing for the past, oh, 10 years or so. Nice. Get Yoda in here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, and on that note, I think we're going to wrap it up. Um, wrap it up for the evening, so... Just uh, thanks for listening, and I guess uh, to plug our Twitter stuff real quick, you should follow us. Uh, the Gamer Sushi Twitter is twitter.com slash gamersushi. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm twitter.com slash Eddie Rivas. And this has been Mitch, and if you want to follow me on Twitter, uh, I'm twitter.com slash mi7ch. I tweet about all sorts of neat Canadian things. And I am at Nick Camardo, and I tweet about all kinds of different things. And I'm at Unsquare, and apparently I tweet about you know uh, Guillermo del Toro not directing The Hobbit anymore and make people sad. So you broke my heart. God, I uh, I am Anthony, and my Twitter is at Anthony Taylor underscore, and I tweet rarely, but when I do, it's really funny. And there you have it. So thanks for listening. Yay podcast. Yeah. Yay podcast. Yay. Okay, we might have a serious serious problem. What? I, lied. I know. I, I know. I we just did that whole podcast, and it was amazing. And I love everyone here, but oh, no. there's a huge possibility that whenever I muted my mic, that my Audio Hijack Pro did not know that I muted my mic, and there might be a lot of me belching <laughs> over <laughs> over people talking. Because hold on, let me just do a test real quick. I'm going to mute my mic. Okay, wow. it's muted. Oh, this is fuck. Be awesome. No, it is. <laughs> it's recording me right now when so, I'm on the Eddie, you want to go play some Red Dead Redemption? <laughs> wow. That would be incredible. <laughs> <laughs>